So a ton of hoops action going on for JMU this week, next week, and the week after, uh, possibly, if uh, all goes well. But Noah's been out covering some other stuff and going out to hit up JMU baseball here tonight. Uh, we'll talk that. We'll talk XFL. Duke's alumni getting into uh, getting into some stuff there in D.C. Uh, last week. And, yeah, we'll definitely hit the uh, basketball hard. But first, Noah, tell me about your first XFL experience going up, seeing uh, – Seeing some JMU guys play, uh, play pretty well, seems like, but also uh, just an interesting game day experience, it sounds like. Yeah, it's kind of a mix of, you know, college football and soccer put together, which results in lemons getting thrown at players in the field. So, yeah, I mean, it was overall a funny experience. I mean, you know, yeah, I think everyone should get to an XFL game once in their life to, you know, check out the extreme football league has to offer. The Rock was there for a little bit, I saw. So, yeah, otherwise, you know, it was good. Product in the field wasn't bad. Ben DiNucci. Threw for 282, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes style. Then second half, two picks and a fumble cost him the game. But other than that, you know, they played well. And, you know, you had Liam on the other side of the offensive line for, for D.C. So, you know, it's good, it's good experience, good experience. Yeah. And uh, another experience, uh, first baseball game for you of the – it's not technically spring, but we'll call it spring. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be decent weather for, for a game, for a February game in Harrisonburg today. The Dukes taking on the Patriots of George Mason after getting swept, not particularly uh, competitive um, down in Tallahassee against Florida State. Uh, they had some moments um, where they did some good things. They're competitive the first six innings of each of those games. Yeah, but <clears> – <throat> After three games and heading into this one, which, you know, by the time people listen to this, will probably either be going on or um, have happened. Just what's your overall impression of where uh, the Diamond Dukes are right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, last year they went down to Florida State. They had the same result, three three straight losses. But, you know, I think it's more of an experience for them to see, you know, what a ACC program looks like. You know, big stadium, a lot of people you're playing in front of. You know, I think you're playing in front of four or 5,000 every night. Um, there today, you know, three o'clock in George Mason. This is a team which they opened last year at home with, and they beat them fourteen nothing. So obviously, you can look to turn the tide and do that again this year. Um, Jack Cohn should be on the mound for for JMU. He's a William and Mary transfer, two way guy. Came from William and Mary. You know, plays in the outfield on the weekend, pitches on the weekday. Um, other than that, I think you know we'll, we'll see something good. They had some freshmen contribute over the weekend. Some younger guys that didn't get a whole lot of run that are starting now. I mean, you've got Coleman Calabrese at the third, who, you know, played every once in a while last year in his freshman campaign. This year's a sophomore, and he's starting. So, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty, you know, old team in a way. They've got a, a good veteran core, but they've got a lot, of, a lot of young guys that are contributing and playing well. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, you got a guy like Mike Mancini at second base who is a freshman. He's starting there, and he's, he's I think, the real deal. I mean, he played well at, at um, Florida State, worked some good counts, you know, hit a double. Um, so yeah, you know I think they're playing well, um, even though the result made didn't show. That's what happens when you play a, a really good team. Uh, you can be competitive for six innings, but those last three innings, you know, prove the bite them. You know, it was really just big innings that hurt them. I mean, they gave up five runs in one, they gave up four in another. That's kind of what, what hurt them. But other than that, they were doing pretty well. Yeah, this should be an opportunity to um, get a win, get Kick you know, off a get going. Homestand. Yeah, uh, kind of. You know, in, in some ways. You know, obviously, you know, Jamie's a Division One program that, and playing in a good conference that 
get scholarships like everybody else. But in some ways, these uh, early season trips to Florida State the last couple of years almost serve as, like, not an exhibition, but as, you know, nothing to lose. Go down there, see what you've got, throw some guys into some situations, see where where you stand right away. And now you're coming home and saying, okay, now we want to, like, turn that record around. And this is, you know, a big opportunity to do that against a Mason program that's traditionally struggled. Yeah, I mean, they've got Mason coming. They've got UMass Lowell over the weekend. And, you know, down the road you've got VMI and VCU coming. So these are all games about, you know, you're playing like opponents now. You're going to play teams Mm -hmm. that, you know, it'll be competitive for most of the game, um, if not the whole game. So, yeah, I think this is a good way to turn the page and, you know, get rolling you're playing teams that are more at your speed you know when you play an acc program you know baseball is pretty big there obviously though when you get to sunbelt play you're going to play teams that are just as good as these acc programs so you know hopefully they can you know get in the gear and then once conference play kicks off you know in i think what late march early april i think you know that's when you need to to get rolling yeah well they definitely need to take the opportunity to uh, rack up some wins here because like you said conference play is going to be a challenge and you want to have some uh, momentum getting into that and you know it's, it's early. February baseball is early and not always an indicator of what you're going to be down yep. the line. But um, I think in Jamie's case this year, these upcoming games are pretty important to try to build some momentum um, heading into what you know is going to be much more challenging than your typical CAA schedule. Yeah, I mean, they did it last year. I, I don't think it'll be that much of a problem. I, you know, I think, you know, will they go 10-0 and 0 during this homestand? Could. But yeah. probably not. But I mean, I think they they pull out. I think do they finish, you know, with a good record after this ten game home stand? Probably. I think so. So, you know, it starts off today with Mason. You mess a little over the weekend, and then you know, you start seeing some more in state opponents on the midweeks, which you know they like to do. And you know, down the road you've got midweek with Tech. You've got midweek with Maryland. You've got midweek with Virginia. So they've got those those power opponents, you know, on the horizon too. When they're more, you know, hitting their <coughs> swing of things, and I think those will be the better litmus test. I mean, heck, they beat. Virginia Tech last year at home, and they almost beat them in Blacksburg. So, you know, I think that, you know, that's the game so you can kind of look at yourself and say, this is who we are and this is what we do. But, you know, Florida State, it's a good experience, but, you know, I don't think they were – I don't think, you know, Marlon Eikenberry goes down there thinking they're going to go 3-0 over the weekend. Uh, and, you know, other th- the reverse happened. But I don't think it's – you know, I don't think they hang their head. I think that, you know, mm-hmm. take the experience, go with it, and just move on. Yeah. And, and we're talking about the – the challenge the Sun Belt faces or presents on the baseball diamond. It's pretty tall. On the basketball court, it's been a challenge, but the Dukes, both the men and women, have risen to that challenge. Uh, just get an email right now as we record this. Uh, Kiki Jefferson, no surprise, is the Sun Belt Women's Basketball Player of the Week after scoring 30 uh, in a huge victory at ODU on Saturday. Um Jamie Women pulled that one out in overtime. Uh, Kiki's third Sunbelt Player of the Week award. Um, I think she's inching closer and closer to probably being the Sunbelt Player of the Year, um, depending on what she does here these last two games. But if she's anywhere near as productive as she has been, I think uh, that's hers to lose at this point. And also the conference, the regular season title, is the Dukes to lose at this point, you know. Um, they're tied with Troy. They'll have the tiebreaker with Troy if they finish tied for first. Uh, so two wins gets JMU the number one seed in the Sunbelt tournament. And 
a regular season championship of some kind. On the flip side of that, they're not completely out of the woods as far as you know getting that double bye for a tournament because um, they're only two games ahead of Georgia Southern, who would hold the tiebreaker against JMU. It's still really tightly packed at the top. So coming off a huge, huge emotional victory on Saturday in overtime against Old Dominion, who was tied for first with JMU at the time, you don't get much time to take a breath because you turn around and you really got to win these last two. Yeah, I mean, you do. I mean, obviously, if JMU wins one, if they win tomorrow, I'm pretty sure they lock up a double bye. Mm-hmm. If they and if they win tomorrow and Troy loses tomorrow, then they get the number one seed and get it taken care of. But all they if they all they need to do is win two games and you, you have the number one seed and yeah. you don't have to worry about anything else. But obviously, you know, it's just a Jamie team that's playing well, even after they, you know, had that four of six loss stretch that they had earlier this year. You know, I think they put that behind them. They're they're playing well. They, you know, grit out the win at ODU, which is not an easy place to play. We, we you know, we were down there for the men's game. And you know, they did it overtime, so you know that was good. And I think, you know, we talked to O'Regan today and it's good. He, you know, I think he likes to see that you know they're playing for something this year. Where, where last year, this time of the year, they couldn't do anything. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's an interesting group to look at. You mentioned they had to had to stretch where they lost four six. They were um, they dropped down the standings quite a bit after looking like they might run away with the C- or with the Sun Belt um, early on. Have risen back into first place. Um, seem to be. You know, you always talk about peaking at the right time in sports. Uh, it seems like they're truly doing that, um, uh, assuming they can continue it this week. Is there a trick to that as far as just, like, trying to peak at the right time when you're a team? Or is it just um, something that about this group that, that's the, uh, that has the right mentality, that has the right makeup to kind of play well when it's most needed? Yeah, it's probably the latter. But at the same point, you don't want to be too hot going into the postseason, like you know, if they're on a twenty-game win streak, and then mm-hmm. you you have an experienced loss, and then all of a sudden you lose, you could get bounced in the first round. You've seen that happen in college basketball before, men and women. So maybe it's a good <laughs> thing that they went through a, a stretch like that. You know, Regan said it brought them together. They, they have more leadership now, and you know, it could be a positive in the long run. Of like, yes, you you had a thirteen-game winning streak going, which is one of the longest in the country. Then you all of a sudden lose four games in a quick what? three weeks span and then all of a sudden now they're back in the driver's seat so you know i think it's could, could have been a positive you know you don't want to lose games but you'd rather lose them in january than in march yeah and the sunbelt in women's basketball turned out to be deeper than i think probably most people expected um i think everybody thought you know jmu uh troy maybe a couple others would be pretty good but then you look at the standings now and it's really bunched up. There are teams towards the bottom who have beaten teams yeah. towards the top. Um, and Jimmy's had seasons in the CAA where they're sitting in first at this point, and they've absolutely crushed some teams. And they haven't really blown anybody out. I mean, they've won some double-digit <laughs> games, a few, but most of them have been down to the wire, yeah. close games that they're uh, pulling out and winning, um, you know, with the exception of – you know, they beat South Alabama, a bad South Alabama team, fairly handily. But for the most part, they're tested yeah. at this point, um, which can go a little bit either way. Like, you know, they're not they're not head and shoulders above really almost anybody they'll see in the conference tournament. 
but at the same time, they're they are battle tested. They all they do know how to pull out these victories, and they have some confidence that they're going to win close games against good teams. Yeah, you know, I think it, it. I would look at it from the side of it's a positive, right? You're playing close games. You they win in overtime on the road, which is hard to do, and you go into conference tournament. You've beat most of these teams already. You know, Georgia Southern mm-hmm. is one of the only teams that you know has swept them this year, and. I think that gives them confidence going in and saying, A, you've already beat these teams at least once. B, if it's a close game, they're not going to freak out because they've played mm-hmm. them. You know, there could be teams where you're running through conference, all of a sudden you get in the tournament and it's, you know, a one-possession game with a minute to go, and you're like, what do we do? So I think, you know, they played plenty of those, and, and they're good there. So, you know, I, I, you know, if they finish this week strong and, you know, win these last two games, take take the regular season title, I think, you know, it's, it bodes well for, for going down to Pensacola and playing well and making a run. Obviously, if you also win the regular season title, you, you know you, you automatically you know get a postseason bid of, of some sort, and you at least have a WNIT to play for. Um, but I think you know they're obviously want to make it back to the tournaments in a few years since they've done that. And you know if they, if they did that, I think you know that really shows the quick turnaround that they've had in the last two years. Just mindset of you know going from being dejected and defeated and not being able to do anything to all of a sudden you know making a big run. Yeah, and um, they're down at App State on Wednesday. Uh, we should mention come home on Friday to wrap up the regular season at home against Marshall. That'll be senior day. Um, big day for a couple players who have been really key down the stretch. We mentioned Kiki Jefferson winning player of the week again this year. Um, again this week. Uh, Caroline Germond, uh, Shauna Regan pointed out during his uh, press conference here a little while ago. You know, Caroline, she's a grad- graduate student. This is it for her. Kiki's going to be in a position where She's got an option. She'll she'll weigh her options. You know, she'll try to find out, you know, what her professional options are. Um, and she'll have also the option to come back for the COVID year at JMU. But they're gonna treat it like her senior night after, you know, four stellar seasons um in Harrisonburg. I imagine that'll be a pretty pretty emotional scene, which with what I should imagine would be like a pretty good crowd on a Friday double header yeah. a lot of people coming for both games uh with a lot on the line for both teams um i think they're probably gunning towards that being a a big night at the box office at jmu but that's going to be uh probably one of those things where okay now you got to set that aside and win a game where you're trying to go ahead and clinch clinch a regular season title and that number one seed yeah, you know, I think it'll be good motivation at least, you know, right? This could be their last game at home. I mean, it will be Caroline's last game in Harrisonburg, but it could be Kiki's last game in Harrisonburg. You know, you want to go out with the win. And, you know, the other the rest, the other 13 people on the team are going to want to send their seniors out with the, with a win and not a loss at home. So, obviously, that'll be held. So, I don't think it's going to be too hard for them to, to put the emotions, if it's emotional, before the game aside and, you know, just play ball. Yeah. <clears throat> that Friday will also be senior night for the men. Uh, nobody – who's been here for well i mean there there is nobody who's done as much in four years as kiki jefferson has on the men's side but uh it'll be similar situation for julian wooden who uh has been here for four years been through a lot will come back has the opportunity to come back but uh several guys are going to be playing their last games for sure uh in the regular season at jmu and it's going to be big 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 weekend for the men side of things uh much like the women uh, they're still playing for their seating. Unlike the women, it, it, it's it's odd because the women have a very good shot to finish first 
but still are in that danger zone of uh, missing on the double bye and finishing outside the top four. The men, it would be a long, long shot. They need they need, know, some, they need, they need some help to uh, finish first or tied for first. Um, but they are guaranteed to be in the top four, which is huge, um, especially considering where they were just a few weeks ago. Um, that that's that's a huge thing to have that double bye and be already into the quarterfinals of the conference tournament. But they can help themselves out a lot this week with a couple of victories, possibly finish um, with a second seed. I think you know getting on the opposite side of the bracket of a team like Southern Miss would be would be a big big deal. Eventually, you're going to have to beat some good teams yeah. somewhere along the line if you're going to make it to the NCAA tournament. But plenty to play for for the men, too, as well this week. Yeah, and they've got a good team coming to Harrisonburg tomorrow. And Marshall, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a good game. You know, two high-powered teams. Um, they beat Marshall on their home floor, but that was a while ago. And, you know, Marshall's going to want to do the same in Harrisonburg, which, you know, teams have beat Jamie here before and this year, and uh, it'll be a great game. Yeah, it, it should be a really fun, competitive game. Marshall... You look at what they've got. They are. It could be a very entertaining game when you look at how these teams play. Obviously, JMU's played a slightly different style against more evenly matched conference opponents. But if you look at it right now, um, teams with the shortest possessions in the country, Marshall's number one. Their possessions last less than 15 seconds. JMU's number 10. Their possessions last about 15 and a half seconds. These teams aren't typically going deep into the shot clock. Um, JMU a little bit more in um, conference play. Do you think we'll see JMU actually try to slow it down against a Marshall team that never wants to slow it down? I mean, JMU's got a defense that can make it high. Like, that can slow you down. They also want to speed you up because JMU likes to run too. Mm-hmm. So Mark Byington, if he wants to throw Marshall off, you can try to slow down but you may throw your own offense off a little bit which yeah you know, could, could struggle this you don't want to don't think you want to get in a track meet with marshall but i think we could see a mixture you know you could see him try to slow him down at times and then try to speed him up and, and go obviously marshall won't be rattled by getting sped up because that's what they do and they'll, they'll they'll run with you and so i think it'll be interesting maybe you you see him throw curveballs every once in a while and just try to slow him down a little bit and then try to speed him up and mm-hmm. see what happens and, and go from there but Obviously, if you get in a track meet with Marshall, you got to hit shots because yeah. they're definitely going to hit theirs. Yeah, and JMU's had some success recently trapping teams in the backcourt, really pressuring um, in that regard. And they're going up against a Marshall team that has guys who will shoot it pretty much anywhere and everywhere on the court. Yeah. Uh, Tavion Kinsey and Andrew Taylor are both averaging more than 20 points per game. The only... The only set of teammates in the country averaging 20 or more points per game right now. Uh, Camden Kerfman, VMI transfer, is another guy who's uh, played previously in one of those systems where it's run and gun and shoot it. And uh, Dan D'Antoni was talking after their last game about how, you know, if I don't allow him to shoot it anywhere on the floor whenever he wants to, then he's out of his game. And, like, that's what he's going to do for us. Um, So that's three guys who – are basically just going to let it fly from wherever. And then they've got size, too, uh, which Jamie has done well against bigger teams uh, like Louisiana here recently. But it's a really interesting matchup. And, you know, you almost look back on that game in Huntington and you're like, Jamie playing without Julian Wooden, without Fado Morse, more or less without Takal Molson, who was recovering from the same illness as yeah. those two, didn't score in that game. 
played like five minutes, I think. Yeah. Um, you look at that and you're like, how did JMU manage to win that one? Uh, just because those are guys you would think you would need to match up with the team that plays that style. Yeah, yeah. I think, but I think that, that says you know you can do without your you know three guys have been you know at least playing well at late right. Julian Wooden's mm-hmm. really been coming on late in the game the year. So I think you know at this point you have a full pretty much a full roster except Terrell Strickland, but you know you won't be playing with him the rest of the year. So I think you know that they give some confidence saying hey we can do it shorthanded. Why not play at full strength and then get it done? Yeah, um, I think I haven't seen. Uh... Haven't seen if the line from Vegas is out yet, but on other things, uh, you know, ESPN, Ken Palm things, JMU's you know slight favorite to win this one. Uh, Duke's been playing really well, but so is Marshall. Uh, be very interesting um, if the Dukes can get a win on Wednesday. It sets up a game against a Georgia State team that's really, really struggling, and. You know, you look at you look at just like the odds uh, where everybody is, and it's it's definitely not. You know, it's still a long shot that you know you could have a few uh, teams finish like thirteen and five and tie for first with JMU in the mix there, but Southern Miss. Look at their schedule right now. They go play at ODU on Wednesday and then they make the longest trip in the conference to Texas state, uh, a Texas state team. That's, you know, been, it is down this year. ODU team dealing with a lot of injuries, but it's not, you know, looking at that travel, it's not crazy to think that Southern Miss might struggle a little bit yeah. in this, though they have a ton to play for. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting to see where everybody stands after Wednesday night heading into a Friday and just exactly what exactly JMU's playing for. They're, they're not going to get the number one seed in the tournament. They could. Theoretically. They, they could, they? right? If Southern Miss were to lose twice? No, because the best JMU could do is tie with Southern Miss. Mm. And Southern Miss has the head-to-head. Interesting. Unless it's a three-way tie, and then we get into like some more complicated tiebreakers. That's still a possibility, I guess. But... It's very unlikely Jamie's going to be the number one seed. They could get the number two seed. But, you know, we've talked about this before. You want to fill that banner in the Atlantic Union Bank Center for regular season titles and put up another year on there, put 2023 up there after 2021. Um, traditionally, JMU, when they've been at their best, they've played really well. They've, they've won some regular season titles. Lefty Drizelle won a lot. Um, you know, Luke Campanelli won a lot. Mark Byington still has that outside chance to get his second in three years at yep. JMU, which, you know, the expectations I think are pretty high from a lot of fans just based on the amount of money JMU pours into basketball relative to some of their peers, the arena, the success of every other program at yep. JMU. But you look at, just traditionally, historically, what's happening right now compared to where this program has been for pretty much three decades. You, you got to hand it to Byington and the players just to be in this position with a week to go in the season is it is a big deal for JMU to start to consistently compete. 
Yeah, they've kind of elevated the program. You know, they've they've been they've been at the top of conferences. You know, they've what three straight years of winning record. Yeah, first time in a while. Yeah. So you know that that says a lot. You know, I think I think they I think you know Mark Brankton may have been a good hire by Jeff Bourne and company, and uh, yeah, he's turned around, doing well. Um, definitely got them out from you know the <clears throat> I guess what they've got a habit of being for the you know, last twenty years, and you know now they're they're getting them in the right. He's got them in the right direction. You know postseason is not out of the question yeah this jamie team you know i think you know they can make a run to monday in pensacola and you know one more one win there you, you know it's the tournament which you know what when's the last time jamie played the tournament what 2013 2013 yes so could make a 10 year yeah. mm-hmm. close the 10 year gap there and you know, i think that'd be good and you know i think you know i didn't bring this up with the women but jmu and every sport that it's been able to has made the conference championship game. Does that That's trend true. continue? Yeah, that would be huge. It would make for a uh, big, big. Uh, is that a Monday? It's a Monday. December. So if both March teams 6th, make it to yeah, a Monday, that would be a, that would be a huge day for uh, Jamie Sports. Um, you know, similar to what we saw with soccer in the fall, where they both played for the championship. Um, those are back to back days, I believe. Right? Not the same day, right? Yeah, they were back to back days, but the men. <clears throat> Came out of nowhere and yeah. had a couple upsets and yes. got it in there. But I think the uh, level of excitement would be uh, that much greater for oh, if for, if, for both basketball teams with a chance. Because well, I'm pretty sure those games are back to back in Pensacola, so I mean, yeah, I wouldn't well, be surprised. Yeah, there's a few hours in between, but yes, same day, uh, same building. Um, yeah. If both teams were to make it, I'd imagine the women, which play first, <clears> could uh, stick around for the men's game because you know yeah. why not? You know, travel purposes would be. <laughs> I think Jamie would welcome you know one flight back. Yeah, I haven't uh I haven't um looked too closely at the emails I get from Southwest all the time about all the cheap flights they got going on, but you know, maybe if you're a JMU fan and um it happens to be both Duke's teams playing for a championship game on the same day in the same spot. I might check. I might check the uh Southwest deals and see if it can get down to Pensacola uh, and fill that place with purple. If if I was, you know, a Jamie fan in that situation. I'll be there regardless. I'm uh, going to go down, cover the whole tournament, um, which will be fun. And would be would be a lot of fun to see one or both teams make a run and potentially uh, get back to the NCAA tournament. So what's your prediction for this week? It, well, yeah, this week. I keep saying weekend, but it's not even happening on a weekend this time. Um, Friday's the weekend. We can, yes. we can call it. We've got... We've got baseball. We've talked about. We've got four basketball games. We talked about. Yeah. Is this going to be an undefeated JMU weekend? At least in the games we've talked about. There's some other sports going on, but. Mm. Mm. The women, yes. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll check them out the list. Uh, basketball, men's basketball. Um, I could see them splitting. Okay. And then baseball, I think they win today. And then over the weekend, UMass Lowell, haven't really looked too much into them. They'll probably drop a game there. It's baseball. You play three games in three days, you're bound. Mm-hmm. It's hard to sweep in baseball. So, yeah. yeah. But I definitely think they get on the right step today, get win number one of the year against the Patriots of George Mason. Yeah. I think uh, most Jamie fans would probably take that result that you just laid out across the board. Um, you know, go three and one in baseball. Three and one. In, in both basketballs, yeah, they they could take that. Um, you'll be in good shape where you stand there. 
uh, if that's the case. No, you got anything else before we go ahead and wrap this up? Um, Any other XSFL thoughts? Ben DiNucci back on the field Thursday night on FX against, uh, I believe they're playing St. Louis, so it would be AJ McCarron against Ben DiNucci. Must-see TV right there. Yeah. Must-see TV. I will say, AJ McCarron plays for St. Louis. They were down 15-3 to with less than two minutes to go and won the game. XFL has got some cool rules. You can go yeah. for you can go. So you, there's no extra points, so you can go for one, which is a traditional two point conversion from the two. You can go for two, which is from the five, or you can go for three from the ten. And we did see Ben DiNucci pull off a three point conversion. Yeah, and that's what they did in St. Louis. And then they onside kicked, but instead of onside kicking, you get a fourth and twenty five from the thirty five, and you have to convert or fourth and I think it's fourth and twenty, maybe fourth and fifteen. Either way, it's, you get a fourth down conversion. They convert. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very exciting things. Does the NFL adopt any of these rules? Probably not. Yeah. But XFL keeps the clock rolling. It's, hard, it's actually really hard to stop <coughs> the clock in the XFL without calling a timeout because you, you go out of bounds, they still let the clock run for some things. I, I couldn't figure it out. But incompletion yeah. does stop the clock. So you're saying if Ben DiNucci has the ball with a minute to go down nine, he is definitely not out of it is what you're saying. I mean, heck – he almost led a comeback in D.C. You know, he grew in a great two-minute drill, got them down to the one-yard line. He does play for a Seattle team, and this time at the one-yard line, game of the line, Seattle attempted to run. It was more of a speed option. He kept it and fumbled at the one. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch would have said, give the running back the ball. But, <laughs> you know, originally it was apparently a pass call, according to Jim Haslett, their coach. But Ben said, you know, I'm going to tuck this thing and try to get one yard. He's a big dude. He's not small. He yeah. tried to get in there, but he fumbled, and that was that. Yeah. Well, we can get into it a little bit more. Uh, he can run. We've talked. We've talked about the comparisons between him and Todd Santeo. I mean, people are past. comparing him to freaking Patrick Mahomes over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the the flip pass. But <laughs> that'll be our segue into next week. We can talk a little bit more about um, the draft stock for. Our boy Todd Santeo seems to be on the rise Rising. a bit. Um, you know, maybe people seeing the comparison between him and Ben DiNucci, what what DiNucci can do in the XFL. Or maybe it's just what Todd's been doing here in the offseason. But we'll get into that some next week. We'll wrap it up for this this week. We'll talk we'll talk that. We'll talk definitely more basketball next week. Um, so go ahead and look for us in a week's time. But in the meantime, you've been listening to the Purple and Bold podcast, uh, the JMU Sports podcast from the Daily News Record. I'm Shane Metlin. Been here, as always, with Noah Fleischman, and thank you for listening.